Player King, Episode 7, Let's Slip the Dogs of War. Stories of Hamlet during the 1984 Olympics, an epic Merchant of Venice, and Betrayal Most Foul. So can you talk about some of the significant performances um, that you remember from well, I think Grove uh, Shakespeare. There were there were several. I mean, I, I think I talked about my Merry Wives and uh, how important that was, both for me as a director, but for the company a, as a whole. But before that, we did a Hamlet. We did our first Hamlet in 1984, and this was during the the Olympic Arts Festival, and they had they had decided to they wanted to shut down the freeways because they were worried about gridlock during the Olympics. So we didn't perform while, while the, we took a two week break during the Olympic break, but opened on the final weekend of the Olympics. And the reason that's important is that is Hamlet. We're doing Hamlet. Um, and there's a couple of issues here that are of interest. One of them is that Diana Maddox, who had worked with Christopher Tabori and, um, they were, they were, she was coming in and helping on this production from the old globe. And she had, she also lived up in LA. Right. And so I, I never questioned what she said in rehearsals, but she had convinced Wayne and she had convinced Tabori this, that Hamlet didn't love Ophelia. And what was Diana's position? She was a dramaturg. Dra- she was, with, she was okay. working dramaturgically. Uh, so she was working on text, uh, and she had convinced him that he didn't love Ophelia. Now at the time I doubted that because I I was not a big fan of Hamlet at the time. I, I, I I had never quite gotten into him. I always thought he was kind of a haughty prince and, um, couldn't make up his mind and all of that stuff. I mean, I, I learned that wasn't the case, but at this point, She's giving him this line. Uh, anyway, it's opening night. All the critics are there. The uh, wrestling venue is in Anaheim, about a mile and a half away. And they're worried about terrorist attacks. So just as we open the, the wrestling show. wrestling venue for the Olympics. Yes. Just as we open the show with 500, a full house, sold out house, over 500 people sitting there. This in the outdoor amphitheater. In the outdoor amphitheater, this security helicopter from the Olympics hovers about 200 to 300 feet above the amphitheater with its rotors going as he launches into to be or not to be. 500 people are not looking at Wayne Alexander play Hamlet. They're looking straight up, including the critics, at the Olympic security helicopter. And, it, and you know, if you look back and you say, well, he should have stopped and waited for it to go away. But it, it seemed to not want to go away and it was going to be there forever because we were fully lit now at this point. And in the, to, the previous time during that, of course, they hadn't noticed anything. They're waiting for some kind of surprise terrorist attack and they don't know why all of these lights are on in a previous area that was fairly dark. So, I mean, it was just one of those things that that night and, and the show didn't get a great review because of that. 
partially because of that, but also partially because of this thing with Diana Maddox of convincing him that Hamlet doesn't love Ophelia. Now, I, it was one of those things where here's somebody who has a lot more experience in Shakespeare than I do, but I don't believe her. And I don't believe that that's the case. This comes to be important in 1991, 92, when we do Hamlet in the Waltmar Theater under the guise of Shakespeare Orange County, where I convince Wayne, he's going to do it again, that he loves Ophelia. And, and I point to the text where he says it in the fourth act. Uh, Literally that. And it changed, it changed the performance. It's, you know, it was his performance, but it changed it enough that it got front page times critical review. And I'll get into that in a few minutes because there's, there's plenty here. So that 1984 production uh, of Hamlet, which was in certain ways a failure of at least critically, turns out to be for me something that I was able to kind of dig my heels in and internalize and go, I don't believe that. Because for me to understand the play, I only understand the character through his relationships with the women in the play, which is Gertrude, his mother, and Ophelia, his fiancee, basically. And if if we if we don't understand him as a human being through that those love relationships i don't think we understand hamlet so anyway so again you're learning on the job but I, you're all, not only that but you're also articulating my own your vision point of view yeah. yeah and your connection to shakespeare from on your terms right and that be, that became a very important you know i i used to tell my directing students about this you know yeah. things you can't control yeah in an outdoor theater i mean it was wonderful and shakespeare i think plays so great outdoors yeah because it's it is bigger than realism you know it's epic um but th that was an that was an interesting that certainly was one of the interesting moments we also did uh a richard the second with in 88 with um greg itson uh, playing Richard playing Richard and that was a major that was a major critical success uh that I did a, a King Lear which got mixed reviews with Dan Cartmel playing Lear but was was one of the most uh I think thoroughly realized productions that I did during that time period um so in the late 80s when all of this turmoil turmoil is happening that the public isn't seeing the theater in fact is continuing to evolve and grow and looking and growing yeah All right so we get to the to is is this one um i'm sorry to interrupt is this when the shakespeare theater association happened or is that later that's that's a bit later yeah it's a little bit later okay. but i want to talk about this um critical shows and in 1990 i'm going to direct Again, if we go back, if you remember, The Merchant of Venice, uh -huh. and it's my first Merchant of Venice uh, that I'm going to direct. You know, I was the first Shakespeare, full Shakespeare I saw, was first full Shakespeare I read. Um, it it was my entree into Shakespeare, and so I'm ready to direct it now. I've got, I feel like I'm ready to direct it, and um, we're we're at a point where, in about 1989 to 1990 here. I'm I'm sick of arguing 
with my managing director and I go to him and basically say, okay, you want to direct, I'm going to give you directions. And he says, well, don't worry about it because I'm leaving to take over the head of the Laguna Playhouse. Well, that was a bombshell, but it was, it was all of a sudden a huge relief because the, the struggle that we'd had for these three years or two and a half years or how, however long it was, was now gone. Was he replaced with another managing director? Yes. And this and it was somebody who was on the board of trustees, Barbara Hammerman. And Barbara's daughter had been in a production uh, that I had done, and she had come out of the South Coast Youth Conservatory. She was very friendly. She had a legal background, and she was working in the Jewish Community Center uh, as a fundraiser. So it seemed like to the board, she would be the perfect fit. And they put her in, and unbeknownst to me, as executive director, which means I theoretically answered to her. As, and, and she had no background in the theater. Well, I, I was okay with it because I had a pretty good, what I thought was a pretty good relationship with her. And, you know, we're doing Child's Christmas in Wales, which we had started in the late somewhere in the mid eighties, which was, became our Christmas Carol or nutcracker. We, we would fill the house constantly with it. We had an ensemble of people, uh, Dan Cartmel directed the original production and <clears throat> we had an ensemble of people who just loved, uh, Dylan Thomas's poem and the adaptation that had been done, uh, for it as kind of a musical theater piece. And so that was coming back every year. And it was a, it was kind of a, an anchor uh, for our season uh, in the Gem Theater. So anyway, managing director is kind of given notice. The board freaks out. They appoint Barbara, who had been appointed by the council, uh, who I thought was a friend, uh, to be the executive director. And at the time, my second daughter is being born in 1990. Uh, and when this happens, I'm feeling insulted on one hand and feeling like I should walk away from it, but I've got two kids and I've just bought a house with a mortgage. And so I didn't feel I could lose the job. If we jump back to 1988, you invited me to Chapman to direct A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Let me quickly say it. it I started at Chapman part-time in 82 and in 86, when Henry Kemp Blair passed away, they offered me um, a full-time tenure-track professorship, which I took. Um, uh, so, yeah, of course I was aware of what was happening, and um, you came to direct Midsummer in 88, uh, which was very successful. Right. It was successful. What it did, did you enjoy that? Yeah. What it did for me was, venue? you know, I, I got away from all of the bickering and the tension and it was a relief because the students were so optimistic and so hopeful and so generous and gave so much uh, during the rehearsal process that it was a relief. There was no, you know, after a while, actors, if they aren't moving on with their career, get a little, uh, what can I say? They get a little uh, cranky is <laughs> a polite <laughs> word. Because things aren't going, uh -huh. and you know, and and I noticed that 
about every three years we would have a turnover yeah. of actors. And that it became natural because actors need to move on. Every theater I've ever worked with, yeah. that, that three year thing seems to, yeah. to hold. Um, some people stay longer and, and, but within three years, if you're not moving on in your career, you need to, you, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So anyway, that, that was a big relief. Barbara, who came in as executive director also still holds on to her full-time job as, uh, uh, with the Jewish, uh, foundation. So she's actually doing two full-time jobs. So it came into my mind, well, if she can do that, then I can do that. And because I had two small children and the medical insurance that we were offering through the theater was kind of non-existent. I was there, but it was minimal and certainly wasn't serving for uh, having kids. Um, a job opened up at Chapman University and you encouraged me to apply for it, which I did. And I applied for also a community college job at uh, Irvine Valley College uh, at the time because I needed health insurance. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, making, I wasn't making enough money to be able to cut it out and pay for it on my own. I was, at that time, I think I was making about $40,000, $42,000 a year. Again, this is late 80s, early 90s, which is not a bad salary for a theater practitioner at that time. It also seemed a perfect, from my perspective, it, it felt so perfect because Chapman then could start having a relationship with the Shakespeare Festival. Right. And I, I was arguing strongly for you to get the job be, because of who you were. And, and you had teaching background, um, but you also had this very successful company. And we were beginning um, and evolving uh, through several years to develop a really strong training program. And it gave students a place to go work. Well, um, my experience with the 88 was that the, the thing that attracted me was not so much, I, I was lowballed on the salary, which I was okay with because I was holding on to my artistic mm -hmm. directorship. Uh, and I was, and the tenure was taken away from me because I didn't have an MFA. I only had an MA at the time. And, uh, so they offered you a non-tenure track. They, they offered me a non-tenure track. Full-time job, though. Full-time job yeah. with benefits, and yeah. I took it. Uh, and I took it because I got that health insurance. That was the main attraction for mm -hmm. me. And I didn't think I would be there forever, but I thought, well, this is, you know, this is, this is a good step. Now, not everybody on the board liked this. They, they didn't think I could do the two jobs that it would be taking away from what they were trying to do. But I pointed to the fact that Barbara had both of these jobs and she seemed to be doing fine and I would be doing fine. And not only that, that the university could be a major partner in making all of this happen. And you'd already kind of had a president with that with Santa Ana, Santa Ana uh, or Rancho Santiago, whatever it was being called right. at the time. So the other thing that, that Chapman provided me was uh, a travel money, mm -hmm. uh, as part of my professorship and why that became important in 1990 was that, um, because of our notoriety at the, at the festival, I had been contacted by, um, the artistic director of the Houston Shakespeare festival, uh, uh, Sid Berger and asked if I would come to Washington DC to discuss the possibility of forming, uh, 
an association of Shakespeare theaters across the United States. And uh, as it turns out, Chapman paid for my travel on that. Mm. And uh, I was able to go to the Kennedy Center uh, and meet with uh, people from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Utah Shakespeare Festival. And all of a sudden now, I'm starting to gain national recognition national recognition but also start to to uh jim voles from the mm -hmm. alabama shakespeare festival who i found out at that conference was then going to be a professor at cal state fullerton because he had small kids and he wanted uh you know he wanted to go back into academe uh and he had been the managing director at alabama and one of the founders of the alabama shakespeare festival which was a major festival at the time in the southeast and I got to meet all of these people from around the country who were people like me. Yeah. And we all shared a common bond and love for Shakespeare. Uh, and I was elected to the board of uh, the Shakespeare Theater. At that time, it was called the Shakespeare Theater Association of America. And I was, I was elected to the first board because, so I became a founding board member of this organization that still exists and, and is now international. And it's called the Shakespeare Theater Association and unites everyone from the globe in London, you know, to Ashland, to, uh, to all the Shakespeare festivals around the country and in Australia and uh, in Europe. Which is, again, why Chapman gave you the money for professional development. So everybody's winning. Yes. With this. Yeah. Well, it, it turned to be a real asset. Yeah. So, um, huge service. Yeah. So I, again, things are going fairly well. Um, we are awarded the first kind of major award that, you know, it gotten drama log awards for directing and acting and drama log was a, a trade publication during the eighties at a time where there wasn't much covering stage. Uh, and, uh, they gave out awards and they, they held uh, a big party at the end of the year and they would give everybody out. And so there was a sense it was forming a theater community mm -hmm. in LA, which was, you know, again, not seen as a theater town. It's kind of the only awards where there would be public recognition right. of performing productions throughout the year. And then I think LA weekly awards were right. next after that. The, the drama log awards were given by individual critics mm -hmm. of shows they saw during the year that they liked. And they awarded, acting awards, they awarded design awards, they awarded uh, directing awards. <clears throat> I received a directing award for uh, Quilters and another one for, I think, for Moon for the Misbegotten. I got a drama log award for playing Horatio in that production of Hamlet. Yeah. Well, well the second production. The second, yeah, which right. we haven't gotten to yet. But what I got and which turned out on the front page of drama log was I was awarded, uh, I personally and my Grove Shakespeare Festival was the producer's uh, award, was the publisher's award for Outstanding Theater of the Year. Is that in the 90s? And the that 90s? was in 1990. And the award was given at the Pasadena Playhouse. A couple of things happened at that award ceremony. Uh, first, Barbara came up to me and uh, took a photograph that I've still got at home of... Uh, my my two kids, Elisa and Caitlin, and Caitlin's a baby, and uh, and my wife Anne, and this is actually now in 
the spring of 91 and Barbara has come up with me and she makes a very interesting, she says, well, this is for the Grove Shakespeare Festival, right? It's not for you. And I said, well, it says Thomas Braddock and his Grove Shakespeare Festival on the award. So it was for me. And it was kind of my first hint at that she was working against me. Like the other managing director had worked against me. And with certain members of the board had were working against me to get rid of me because the previous managing director who the board liked because he was raising all of this money without them having to do anything had gone to Laguna and now was building a professional company at Laguna and Laguna was becoming a professional theater. And there's a lot, there's a lot that was going on during this time, but that award was, uh, that was a major pat on the back for me. Uh, so I'm teaching at Chapman at this point and the Shakespeare festival has gone really well. And we go into the new season and in the new season, I'm going to open Les Liaisons Dangerous because we're, we're not, we're having some cash flow problems. We're getting people buying tickets, but we're not raising any money. Barbara is not raising any money. Our budget is based on about a $300,000 donation. And I think we had about $15,000 in donations. We're ahead on our subscriptions and our ticket sales. So we're staying alive that way, but we're running into a financial crisis. And that also gets into the papers eventually. So we're going to, I'm going to open with Les Liaisons Dangerous in the gym. And I, Carl Ricciardo and his wife, Karen Hensel, play the two major characters. It was one of the most, it was done under one of the SPT contracts. SPT equity contracts. So I had five or six equity members in the company. Who was, was directing? I was directing. Okay. And I was also directing because now I've got a managing director. I'm also directing more. Mm -hmm. So I also am directing The Merchant of Venice, which is going to open in the amphitheater. When who's playing Shylock in that, that one? Well, and I'm introduced to Alan Mandel. Uh -huh. And Alan Mandel was a major actor in Los Angeles. Um, and he was mostly known for his work, uh, with, I mean, he had been in New York, but he was mostly known for his work with, uh, Beckett Beckett. Yeah. Uh, and he was dying to do Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So he agreed to come down if I could find him a place to stay. So he didn't have to drive. One of the trustees gave a, a pool house for him and he came down and, uh, and a whole bunch of things happened with this, uh, this is my introduction to the folio. Alan calls me, right. you know, we're, I've cut, he asked me for a cut script. So I sent him a cut script, uh, of the Arden script. And then he calls me up one day and he lives in, um, Brentwood. And he says, I want you to come to my house. We'll have lunch. And I want to show you my first folio or I want to show you my folio is what he said. And well, I had been given a, a, a facsimile copy and I said, well, I've got a, I've got a full, I've got a first folio. He said, no, I, I want you to see this. So anyway, Can you explain I, what a folio is. Well, a folio is the collected works of Shakespeare that are first it's written 
it's it's compiled by his actors in 1623 and it's the first after he's dead he's passed yeah he's he's seven years in the grave but his company took that time and pulled together from a lot of different places and it's a it would be a whole several hours to talk about the importance of it and 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 why it's why it was put, and how it was put together, but it was put together by his actors essentially. And several of the plays, I think twelve of the plays, we don't have any other copies of except in the full in this collection of work that was dedicated to William Shakespeare uh, by his acting company. <clears throat> so, anyway, that's what a folio is. So uh, I I drive up to Brentwood uh, and his. And there's several editions of folios. Yeah, there are. The first one. The first one is in 1623. The second one, and it just so happens that Alan has a second folio, which was published in 1632. Many of Shakespeare's associates are still alive. And I've never seen one of these. I saw one. They were always under glass. He has it and throws it on his coffee table. And he says, here, take a look at it. I said, do I need gloves or anything? And he said, no, no, no. He said, the paper is, is of such quality that it'll outlast both of us. And it's only the bindings that have problems. Well, he, he pointed to, he looked at the cutting that I did and he pointed to one passage and he showed me, and this is again, another major aha, light goes on moment. Revelation. He he points to this passage and it says in the, in the text, there be, you know, Shylock is seen as a villain by certain people. There be land rats and water rats, land thieves and water thieves and pirates. And in every modern edition of the, of the folio or of, of the modern where editors have taken the folio and, and tried to straighten it out. They've got pirates, but in the, in this second folio, he shows me there'd be land rats and water rats, land thieves and water thieves and pie, P I dot R A T S pie rats. And he, he said to me, he said, that's a pun. And any actor who's playing that has to play it humorously. And all of a sudden Shylock dimension humanity, right? All of a sudden this light goes on and I go, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had paid some lip service to the folio, but I had never really spent any time with it. This is my first introduction to it. You're finding there's clues in the folio for how to perform it. Right. And how to even speak it. And eventually I find out, uh, through an association with, uh, later on with Dennis Krausnick from Shakespeare and company. it, It was his assertion that the actors who put this folio together were putting this down as they spoke it. Mm-hmm. Not so much for readers, but for actors who are going to be speaking the text. Can I say as an actor who discovered the folio work working with you and well, all of my Shakespeare working with you, but usually playing with the Arden text, which is a, a, a later editions, lots of scholars have input on it. And when I, when I did start working with the folio text, it's amazing how those are actor instincts in there. What you're talking about is it liberally it literally liberates a modern actor because it's there's actors instincts. It's it's instinctual that you would say pie rats and get a laugh 
and warm them up to Shylock. It's what actors well, want to do is play well, with language. It gives the character in a situation, a tense situation with uh, Antonio. Antonio, thank you. <laughs> with Antonio, where Antonio is anti-Semitic mm. and who looks down on Shylock, and it's and he's only doing this for his friend uh, Bassanio. Mm. To, to loan to get some money because all of his ships are out at sea that Shylock is trying to put Antonio at ease and ease the social situation and make a little joke. It, it just changed. The world changed for mm, me at that point. Wonderful. Now well, you're holding this relic, but I, 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 I'm not jumping in full, full feet, but, and then there's some other changes he wants to make. And he, he, we, we spend a, a, a lot of time and it turned out to be a great association. Now what getting back to the crisis in the theater, what Barbara has done is she argues with the board against me for doing this play. And she says, it's anti-Semitic. And I said, the play is not anti-Semitic. There are anti-Semites in the play because what Shakespeare is doing is he's holding the mirror up to nature. He's showing the anti-Semites in the play. And that's a truth. I mean, that's that there are, are there anti-Semitic people today? Of course there are. Not everybody is going to be on the same page and it's a reflection of society. And well, anyway, long story short, if you remember, I talked about Bill Perkis. For some reason, she gets Bill Perkis to come into a debate with me. This is the buy-off for the board it's kind of giving them some breathing room, the buy-off of if I debate Bill about anti-Semitism in The Merchant of Venice. Um, a public debate? A public debate hmm. uh, that the Jewish community was invited to. Well, it turned out as a boomerang right back in Barbara's face. Mm -hmm. The show is a huge success. Mm -hmm. It was the largest drawing uh, audience we had ever had. Uh, we brought in more money than ever. There were people coming up to me, Jews and Gentiles alike, saying how they had never seen such a performance of Shylock. And the Jewish Journal and there just so happened there were four productions on the west coast of merchant that summer and the jewish journal basically signaled that our production was the finest of them and i at that point i had read olivier you know because i'm struggling i, I read olivier's notes and he did a, a little thing at the beginning he had the first the first line that Antonio has is in sooth, I know not why I am so sad. And then at the very end, when everybody walks off, he leaves Antonio on stage and has him repeated in sooth, I know not why I am so sad after Shylock has been castigated. And I, I borrowed that from Olivier and it framed the show in such a way that it embraced and Sylvie Drake uh, the Los Angeles Times critic gave it a huge review. The week after it opened, I was called into an emergency budget session and asked, I would, I was asked to either resign or be fired. 
By the board? By the board. A Player King is produced by Roland By, sound design, editing, and engineering by William Georges, directed, curated, and narrated by Elisa Braddock. The music was originally created for productions at Shakespeare Orange County. <laughs>